Hello, and welcome to episode 122 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, August 17th, 2023. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? I'm a little startled at the date, but other than that, (laughs) things are good. That seems to be how things work. Yeah, I feel like things are starting. No, actually, that's not entirely true. They're not back to normal, but I can see when the routine will start to happen, which is sort of exciting, sort of terrifying. Some of the schools have started and a lot of us have seniors, our final children at home. So someone pointed out that it was like the last first day of school and it's going to be a very long year for this mom, (laughs) I think. For a lot of us. Same. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I'm excited, but kind of wacky. But yeah, but we'll keep going on. This is not our last first day. We will have all our regular segments on the needles, on the easel, on the table, and on the nightstand. And bingo. And this is our final bingo before the final bingo of the season. <laughs> Penultimate bingo. <laughs> there we go. That's the word. That's such a good word. Fancy. So on the needles... Good stuff in the knitting world. Maybe not as much as I would have liked because of, you know, the aforementioned still wacky schedule end of summer business. But I did finish both of my contrast blast socks patterned by Stephen West, the first allegedly annual surprise sock along. So I am I am looking forward to next year because these were super fun. So And beautiful. Thank you. Yes, I did end up switching my yarn colors for the second sock. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I did end up switching. The yarn is a kit that I got from, I bought it at Stephen and Penelope, which is his yarn shop. And the yarn is from Mominoki Yarns, which was a new to me dyer. The two colorways were Aqua Flash and Teal Blast. Teal Blast is just a uber teal (laughs) kind of just solid, beautiful colorway. And Aqua Flash is this beautiful pale aqua with little flashes of pink, which super fun. And that was kind of why I ended up switching it because I wanted to be able to actually see more of the flashing instead of just having the pink sneak out in from behind in the contrast colorway. So it was a really great pattern. There were a couple of little odd things. There are, the on the sole, it's striped, and he has you change colors on the bottom of the sole, which meant that you're running your two threads of yarn along the bottom of your sole. I haven't actually worn the socks because it's been pretty warm here lately. Actual warm, not hot, I'm not saying it's hot, but like warm where you don't want to wear wool socks. But I feel like if you had super princess feet, or even, I mean, I have not princess feet. I'm slightly concerned about having a double twist of yarn up along the sole. So I'm not sure that that was the best idea. It's simplest for sure. And the pattern was definitely written so that anybody could do it. Every row was written out, which is really helpful because there were a lot of beginners, first time sock knitters doing it. So that would be good. I feel like it might have been better to maybe twist it along the side so that you don't have that basically a bump going along the whole underside of your foot. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Maybe it'll act as a cushion. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it's fine. I don't know. And then he also had the patterning. It was like a broken rib patterning on the top of the toe. And that also he continued it on the bottom, which 
I guess that could also add more cushioning, but I just said, no, I don't feel like doing that, which was more of a design choice, but I just thought it was interesting. Again, simpler if you're a new sock knitter, just to keep the patterning going through the whole thing. I felt like nobody, myself included, is ever going to see the bottom of my toe. So <laughs> why bother? Other than that, I really loved it. The Pattern sections were distinct and different, but flowed into each other. There were a little bit of changes. He repeated, I forget what it was called, but one of the patterns he repeated, but he had the cross lines going diagonally instead of straight at one point. So that was really fun. Um, like I said, I switched the colors and I enjoyed that. I mean, that was a personal choice, but I did see a couple other knitters who did that. He used a lot of techniques, which is great. I mean, that's a very Stephen West kind of thing to do. But there were cables, slip stitches, mosaic knitting. It was it was really very enjoyable. And I am, as I said, looking forward to next year. So I guess I'll have to wait a while. <laughs> Is he still going to do a knit along in the fall? I would assume so. I haven't seen anything. But I mean, because there's that there is when does that normally start like October? Mm -hmm. It must be maybe September. It'll yeah. Start because people have to order yarn and whatnot. Yeah, I like the socks because it's just definitely smaller and more manageable than a giant five-color shawl. And they came out so great. Thanks. Yeah, I am very pleased. All right, besides that, I have been just working away at all my, my old projects. Dark Academia by Sharon Hartley. My For a second, because this is where my brain is at, I thought you said Dark Echinacea. <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> That's cool. And then I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that does, that would work too. That would probably be a beautiful sweater. <laughs> Floral kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no, Dark Academia, which is my kind of gothic two-color sweater by Sharon Hartley in Porter Wool Company, Fingering in Huntress, the beautiful dark green, and Serendipity Coastside in Blossom, which is a peachy pink. I am about nine inches into the first sleeve, which means I'm almost done with the color work and then probably just a little bit. Well, I'll try it on. See how much longer it needs to be a little bit of stock in it and then cuffs and then the second sleeve and then I'll be done. Dun, dun, dun. Very exciting. As I said, with the whole routine thing, I haven't really been able to get into a routine of working on it. I'm trying to get into working on it a little bit before I start making dinner in the late afternoon. And so hopefully as boy two starts back to school and we get in, this is what happens on this day. And I, you know, I know what our schedule is going to be. I will be able to work in some more time because it's really not, well, because of the color and the patterning, it's not really great TV knitting, but it is good audiobook knitting. I've done a little more work on my latest vanilla is the new black sock by Anna Fletcher in the knit picks Felici in Beyond the Wall, which is the three shades of gray and three shades of aqua. I think I've turned the heel on that and I'm working on the first foot. So again, we get back into a routine. I'm going to have back to school night and the symphony is going to start up and the opera and you know, all of all of the performances, well, and, and all of the school meetings. So I feel like that's going to get a lot of sock knitting. So those will probably be done pretty soon as well. And I've been working on my Rome shawl a bit by Don Barker in the Rainbow Peak Yarns 
Luminosity 2, which is the mostly white with some lovely colored bits when I do little speckles. And she, Don Barker, the designer, has just released a new assigned pooling pattern that uses only one skein of sock yarn, which is very exciting. Her other ones are all two and three skeins, I think. And it's nice to have those smaller projects as well if you just want to try it out maybe, but don't want to commit to a whole entire two skeins of yarn. But that's where I am. I've been doing that. That has had had been my TV knitting. But then I realized that we have a family birthday party dinner next month. It might be a good idea to bring a gift for the birthday girl. So I have cast on a Sockhead Slouch Hat by Kelly McClure. This is a pattern that's been around forever. I'm not I'm I'm going to say millions of people. I don't think there's actually millions of people that have made the pattern, but a lot. It's super easy. Takes a skein of sock yarn, very slouchy. So it's great for single skeins, especially if they're variegated and you just don't know what to do with it. You can just knit this hat. Very good TV knitting. And I talked to birthday girl's mom and said, what colors does she like? She said, ah, I think earth tones. So I found this beautiful skein from very, very deep stash, 2010 people. So this will probably be my third quarter deep stash knit. It is, well, first of all, it's been discontinued. The label says it's from the yarn side. In Ravelry, it says it's from Swoonish. So I feel like she maybe changed her company name and then went out of business. The yarn is Walker and the colorway is called Road to Home and it's chocolate brown and mustard yellow and kind of a magenta burgundy. And they're all pretty mellow kind of shades, not super bright. So I think she will like it. You do a ton of two by two ribbing and then it's just going to be forever in stockinette. So I'm still on the ribbing part. Almost done with that though. So far it looks really good. It is, does not seem to be flashing or pooling or doing anything funky, just making this nice lovely blend of all the colors, which is what you always hope for and does not always happen with variegated yarns. We will see what happens when I get to the stockinette. I feel like sometimes it looks great in the ribbing because of the way the yarn kind of folds over itself, the squishiness of the ribbing. And then once you get to the stockinette, you can see things a little more clearly, but the colors are pretty. I think it'll be good. And so that this will probably be my TV knitting for, well, until I finish it or we go to the, <laughs> the birthday. And that that's all my knitting. I think with the new school year, I'm really wanting to start new projects, but I also really want to finish the projects that I have. I don't, there's so much knitting to do. It's kind of like, it's kind of like reading. So I don't know. So I'm, I'm trying I, the, the slouch hat took care of that itch a little bit because it was a new project, but I do actually need to do it. But I am remaining faithful to my, my sweater, even though there are many other sweaters I want to cast on, but I do want to get this one done. What's on the easel? Oh, that sounds like a lot from you for like nine. It hasn't even been two weeks, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it, like I haven't done a ton of knitting on it, like the socks. I mean, I think I knit a heel, basically. Ah, so. Okay. Well, I reupholstered my dining room chair, mm. which isn't an easel thing, but it was very necessary. 
I had reupholstered some chairs for the patio and I thought I was going to do my little dining room chair in that batch. And then, you know, it didn't happen. And I have this very anatomical problem of short legs. And so all of the chairs in my, I had taken apart my dining room chair in order to recover it because it was looking pretty shabby. And therefore it was out of commission. And I have been stuck using the taller chairs and it's Mm -hmm. like, my feet don't touch the ground. It's like sitting in them like this. I don't appear that short, but I have short legs. So I had a day I had taken my older son back to school. I had gone on a little road trip with my husband, and then we had a quiet Sunday. And so I realized I did not want to be sitting in the tall chairs anymore. I needed my mama bear chair back. So I took it all apart. It needed new foam. It was a lot more involved than I thought it was going to be. I don't totally love the fabric that I recovered it with, but it is great quality It's one of those things where it's not the first time I've recovered that chair and it probably won't be the last. So done is better than perfect in this scenario. And I'm very happy to have my little chair back. And it's so much more comfortable because it has new foam. The front of the seat, the padding covers it all the ways. It's not digging into the back of my leg. It's just so much better. So... I wish there were a bingo square for this because it has greatly improved my quality of life Hmm. the past week, and I'm glad I did it. New technique? I guess you've done reupholstery. I I only have two squares open. Oh, dear. And I couldn't make them fit because one is like an award-winning book and the other one is, I don't even know. (laughs) Um, That is good, though. I mean, and... Even if you don't love the fabric, you're mostly sitting on it. So it's not like you have to look at it. I love the feel of the fabric. Mm. It's just a little too bright of a color for me. And it'll, I mean, it'll fade over time, but there you go. But the fabric quality is great. So that is sort of, sort of a win. As I said, I have been doing a ton of driving. I have been up north three hours and back, down south three hours and back, like, A lot. So in order to prepare for some of my upcoming work, I stopped and took photos. And as I was driving home from the college, there was this humongous field of sunflowers. It was so beautiful. And I absolutely did a U-turn, turned around, went back and took like 10 minutes to photograph these incredible sunflowers that are kind of in our Central Valley area. And my photos came out pretty stunning, I have to say. They were just backlit by the sun. So it was sort of an interesting photographic moment that I hope to work into a still life series that I'm working on. And then with my trip south, it was more than slightly foggy, but I did get some good seascape type photos that I'm hoping will work for that same still life. I have an idea that I'm kind of percolating. So while I was on the road, using the occasion for photo shoots was pretty successful. And then the other thing that I'm working on is the bird prize. This was a serendipitous little moment, I guess. A couple years ago, I made this accordion of owls 
just for fun, oil on paper. I loved it. It was really delightful to make. And then this past week, or I'm not sure when she released it, but Emma Carlisle in the Patreon did an accordion of trees. And it reminded me of my owls. And I thought I should do something like that for the bird prize, which is our bingo, our special bingo prize this year. If you complete the three bird themed, read about a bird, cook a bird, cook bird themed, whatever, and something crafty bird themed. So I think I have a bird prize. It's a work in progress. I'm super happy with it. It relates back to the podcast, some of the podcast content, and I will reveal all next time. I did make one mistake, so I have to turn a bird around, but so far, so good. That is chiefly what's on the easel. Looking ahead for me, I have some projects to get ready for, and so now that the dust is sort of settling around our household, I can be a lot more focused. Hopefully, fingers crossed, all of them. On the table, so my first recipe is not actually a recipe. It is a technique. So excited about it. Thank you, Julia Tertian. She posted this on her, I guess it was a reel. You go to her Instagram, you can find it, and I will link to it in the show notes along with everything else. You can microwave corn in the husk, and then you chop off the stem end, and you can pull the whole husk off, and all of the silks come with it. No muss, no fuss, perfectly cooked corn. It was amazing. I know, Courtney is looking at me with this baffled expression. What am I'm I talking so about? I'm so excited. Yep. So she did she did three ears for six minutes. I did two ears for four minutes. So two minutes for a year seems to be about what you need. Yeah. I mean, there was maybe one or two of the little silks still stuck in there, but super easy. So easy. She has a little video showing her taking the whole thing apart because I'm assuming you people can figure out how to put corn in the microwave. I mean, you don't have to do anything to it. It was great. So I recommend testing that out. There was one person in the notes who said it didn't work for them. I don't know. I don't know what the problem was there, but I tried it. My mother tried it. She thought it worked pretty well as well. And then like you don't heat up the kitchen either. I recommend trying that. And then I, I pulled out Smitten Kitchen Keepers again, made some stuff. Still a great book. First, the weeknight chicken wings. We went out to dinner husband and boys. So the boys wanted to get chicken wings. And it was a little bit of a fancier restaurant. So there were only six pieces of chicken. Like, so three wings, basically. Oh <laughs> right. So I was cut. We were we were a little sad. They were delicious, but we were a little sad. So I was looking through keepers for something else and, and thought as long as I had it out, let me see what her meat recipes were. So last week, both boys were going to be at home. And there was a weeknight chicken wing recipe. So I thought, well, great. It was delicious. So it doesn't involve, you know, deep frying and bathing it in buffalo sauce. You mix the wings in melted butter and lemon and garlic, spread it all around, and then you roast them. I mean, couldn't be easier. And I do think you could use it on chicken thighs as well, or really anything. I mean, just the, it was a great combination of flavors. 
and you know butter (laughs) so that's always delicious so they were really good you know it is always fun to eat chicken wings but yeah i mean we had three pounds and we just blasted through it the three of us husband was out at a a music thing so that's why i was thinking the thighs might be better a little bit less work for the same more or less the same profile flavor profile do they come out kind of dry or uh, um i mean by that i mean like a dry rub on them or like crispy or were they oh they were definitely crispy yeah great that's how i like them. yeah and nice and juicy on the inside and just all that great lemon garlic flavor so very good i recommend those as well and the reason i had pulled out this book was and i think i said i was going to try and do this uh, last time was to make gnocchi because there's that cook from scratch goal and also making gnocchi was one of my goals my plan was originally to make it when it was just boy two and i at home the other two were going backpacking Boy 2 loves gnocchi, one of his favorite things. Then I figured I could make it with regular flour and not feel guilty. Anyway, they came home early, so three of us had this recipe. And I've had a package of gluten-free gnocchi in my pantry, so I pulled that out and um, doubled the sauce. Anyway, so her recipe is for ricotta gnocchi, so no potatoes. Interesting. Yeah. So I thought, well, let's try this because... She said the reason she did it with the ricotta, I forget where she got the idea from. Someone else had done it. But it makes it a little bit less stodgy or less likely to be stodgy. I mean, if you had great gnocchi, they're obviously not stodgy. But potatoes just can kind of go either way. So I thought, well, I'll try this. Seems like it might be easier. They were, I mean, they were pretty delicious. I did feel like I needed to add a little more flour. They were very sticky. Like, you put them out and roll them and... It just felt like gloop that was not going to roll unless I added a decent amount more flour. So they ended up working out. They were very delicious. And then you pan fry them. You don't boil them. So very interesting all around. Very tasty. She says hers, it's a recipe for two or maybe three to four. And so it serves three of us. We still had a few left over. I did serve it with sausage and the next thing i'm going to talk about a salad type thing because they are pretty rich with all that Mm -hmm. ricotta in it and then she has a recipe for a pistachio pesto with pistachios and arugula didn't we just talk about this pistachio something possibly Mm. okay i don't know we're both making up things now (laughs) welcome to the fiction portion (laughs) yeah so that was good that was a little different It's basic pesto recipe, but with arugula and pistachios instead of basil and pine nuts. So that was all very good and and checked off bingo and a yearly goal. I think, if memory serves, you could use potato flour in the gnocchi and make it gluten-free. Oh, yeah. No, I could. I mean, I could use just my normal gluten-free flour even though they say it works exactly the same, it really doesn't. There are slight differences. So I thought it might be good to just try it out first mm-hmm. with the regular flour and see how it turns out, what it's supposed to be doing before I start messing with it. It's not like you really taste the flour. It's right. not like a baked good or anything. So I think it probably would be fine. And on the other hand, he said his store-bought 
gluten-free gnocchi were perfectly delicious and he was fine with it. So we'll see. I mean, but it is also trouble to cook two different sets of gnocchi. So we will see what happens with gnocchi in the future, but the children were happy with it and enjoyed it very much. So that was good. And then I'm not going to talk about this next one too much, but I did want to mention it because it does get me a bingo square, but it is a recipe from Veg Forward, which we will be reviewing in two episodes, I think. Mid-September. Mid-September. Zucchini carpaccio, which sliced, thinly sliced zucchini, you know, in olive oil and vinegar, blah, 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 fresh corn, herbs, all sorts of summer deliciousness. So that was my, my farmer's market bingo and uh, worked out really well. Yeah, we're getting all the corn in my produce box lately. So <laughs> corn, strawberries, having to figure new recipes every week is kind of amusing. So yeah. So that's what we've been having on the table. How about you? Excellent. Given the upheaval in our household, it was an interesting food week. We did an easy, super easy baked chicken, which was basically olive oil, salt, and pepper on the chicken breast for the first 15 minutes, and then a layer of honey mustard. Mm. On, I flipped them over and then put the honey mustard on top. Delicious and speedy and replicable for the college kid. A huge portion of my week last week was thinking about which recipes would be easy for him to duplicate in his apartment kitchen. We came up with maybe a dozen recipes that I sent him off with. And I think what was interesting was there's this fluency that we have with cooking where we take a look at a recipe and we know just from experience how we're going to tweak things, if we're going to tweak things, or if it feels pretty solid and you just want to roll with it. And my kid obviously doesn't have that yet. He's pretty capable in the kitchen. He's excited to cook. He likes to eat, so all of these things bode well for his semester off the dining plan. And so it was just kind of giving him some confidence to go forth and cook, you know, that it's okay to have one sheet pan that kind of gets battered and one that gets you're more careful with, like for to keep the nonstick on it for cookies and things like that. Because I know I have one for roasted potatoes that is super distressed and highly seasoned and perfect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he just doesn't have that fluency yet. So spending some time on the recipes that I know he's excited about and sending him off with a toolkit to do, to do those things. And then we did have kind of a pizza party before he left with some friends and Speaking of Smitten Kitchen, we I used the Angry Grandma pizza recipe, which is like a Detroit style, which is really Sicilian style deep dish pizza and with a bunch of different toppings on it. That recipe, I've had really good success doubling it and then getting several pizzas out of it. It feels like a focaccia dough to me. Super delicious I'm really happy with it. And my only challenge was I might, I could have left one of them in just a smidge longer. But otherwise, again, total success with that recipe. I also made 
based on a taste test experience that I had here with Monica, the Strawberry Creme Fresh Bar. Oh my stars, that is so good. This is from 100 Cookies, and it's a kind of a crumb base, delicious strawberry filling, and then a crumb topping. And it, to me, tastes like a good humor ice cream bar baked. I am slightly obsessed with them. I am really trying to find a way to back off the sweetener because the main sweetener in that center is sweet and condensed milk and it's too much for me. In fact, when I stole a little piece from Monica, she warned me that it was really rich and I ate it anyway. And then I was like, oh my God, that is so rich. Like the the whole afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> you only need a very tiny bite. It calls for two cans of sweet and condensed yeah. milk. I think if I did a portion of sweet and condensed milk or if I did two cans of evaporated milk and then added in a bit of sugar, like a quarter of a cup of sugar, which would be seriously one eighth of what's in it all, yeah. I think that you would taste a little more strawberry because there's all. I don't know. Plus it has the creme fraiche in it. I mean, it's dairy heavy. I think that I would try to find a way to extract a little bit more liquid out of the berries. Although mine juiced up nicely. Yeah. I just want a little more berry. I did not add food coloring to mine. And I think next time I'll just double the the powder because it calls for the powdered strawberries, mm. the freeze-dried strawberries. So I have plans. It is pretty great as is. I just feel like for me, I want less sugar. And so I'm looking for ways to tweak it so that it has less sugar and how to get a little more strawberry oomph out of it. Yeah. So more sense. tangy and less mm -hmm. sweet. Exactly. Yeah. Did you pay attention when you were mixing the crumb topping and it actually was crumb topping? Yeah. Mine was pretty dusty, like sandy. Okay. It didn't clump up, but I kind of like how yours clumped. Like, right. I wish it was more variegated instead of just dust. And I did not... I mean, just forget about it and let it go in the mixer a little bit longer. Right. It it calls for a little bit of conventional flour and almond flour, which I love almond flour. Mm -hmm. And it says that you could swap out the almond flour for oats. And so next time I might try to do mm -hmm. half and half because I think oats help with the texture, help add te a different texture. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it'd definitely be more textured if you had oats instead of flour. Right. Even if you pulse them a little bit and yeah. break them down. Yeah. So that has been what's on the table. And yeah, I see that we're going to be easing into a more predictable-ish I don't know. I still have a kid who's in sports and a husband who travels and another kid who calls me to ask how frozen peas are cooked. So, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of ways you could cook frozen peas. Right. He had finished cooking everything else, so there was no tossing it in like I do, because sometimes yeah. I'm just lazy and add it to oh, yeah. whatever. But there are instructions on the back. Yeah. It's complicated reading. <laughs> As you will hear about in On the Nightstand. So apparently, my brain is just making things up now. I did want to apologize to Courtney for insisting that she had read Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. You got to the bottom of it? By J. Ryan Straddle. No, I have not. I, I 
the only thing that I can figure out must have happened. I mean, it was definitely a book recommendation on Modern Mrs. Darcy, which I knew. But I felt like when I heard it on there, I thought, oh, that's the one Courtney read. And then when I went to the supper club, I thought, well, okay, I've had two recommendations. And now I've been there. I need to read this book now. But apparently I totally made up the fact that you read it. And I don't know what I was thinking of. I feel like I had read a book, a fiction book about a person who started a restaurant in, it was like the one about the beer. I don't maybe. know why I read that. Yeah, maybe. And then there was another one, a, a memoir about a chef in the Midwest who started a restaurant. So, yeah, I mean, and I, Monica, something. we have a lot of books conversation between us i know but i was convinced that you had read this book and that was why i was so excited to go to a supper club because you had read this book and i could say look see it's it's all true i've been here and we talked about a supper club you and i had a conversation about supper clubs for once these kids really do oh but that's a whole fledge the nest that's different i Uh, mean we could serve old fashions wisconsin old fashions although actually the supper club book that I am referring to takes place in Minnesota, I think. I think so. Both, apparently, both of mine I mean, did too. <laughs> they are right next to each other. Lots of lakes, and presumably they all have old fashions. So yeah. So I just, I just wanted to to say that in case anybody was was wondering. I felt, I felt bad. But anyway, actual books, kind of depressing group of books this time actually i'm not sure what that says about where i am right now i'm not i'm actually having delightful summer starting off with emma's for malice it's your kinsey update sue grafton on audio this one was a little bit of a ghost story which was kind of interesting rich old man has four sons three of them are still living at home the second son was kind of troublemaker as a teenager Instead of going to college, his dad gave him 10 grand, kicked him out, and said, I'm going to write you out of the will. So now it's like 15 years later, the man has died. Nobody can find the second will. The only will that's left is the original one that divided everything evenly between the sons. So Kinsey is hired to find the son so that they can deal with the will. And uh, things go kind of sideways from there. It was great, as her books are, although... I did get an email from a listener who apparently says Q is a book that she did not enjoy. So I'm I'm very interested to find out what's going to happen in Q. I've got a few more to go, though, obviously. But I was thinking one of the things I really like about these books is they're basically, they're not even all murder mysteries. You know, maybe 90% of them are. There is a body at some point, but they don't, even though they are within the genre where you know there will be an answer, the murderer will be punished at the end. The layout of the books is always a little bit different. Like in K is for Killer, the murder happens before the book even begins, like months before. So Kinsey never knows the person, and she's just working off of, you know, what other people think of this, the dead person. In this book, the murder doesn't happen until like two-thirds of the way through the book. So there's this whole other story. You get to know everybody, all the players, before the murder happens. So it's just, and it's they're all like that. You know, the L is for lawless. There wasn't even a murder, I don't think. No, it's a, you know, cross-country burglary road trip heist thing. So they're they're always just a little bit different. They're set up differently, even though they work within the genre. They're just, I, I really like how she she makes them all kind of original. So that's 
something I have been noticing and enjoying with these books. And I do want to say I'm also a little bit worried. I'm trying not to look ahead, but it has been the same narrator for the first 13 books. And I'm a little bit worried that like a Louise Penny thing is going to happen and they're going to switch narrators on me because, right, I mean, the last of the books just came out and they've been doing, these are, I'm getting them on Libby, but they are definitely like recorded audiobooks where every once in a while you get end of disc one. <laughs> so they are old school. They just transferred <laughs> them to digital. So she's, she was doing these readings for a while. So don't anybody tell me. I may have to look ahead just to see if I'm going to be disappointed because if there's suddenly a new voice, it's very distracting. That's my concern. But I, I am looking forward to, to continuing on with this series. And then I started a new series. I didn't realize it was a new series, but Goodreads tells me it's number one in the Alias Emma series. That is the title as well. It is by Ava Glass. This came out last August, so about a year ago. And it is a total summer romp. Emma is a secret agent in London. The Russians are trying to assassinate this doctor. She has to get him across London at night without being seen. And as we all know from our British mysteries, London is covered in CCTV cameras. The Russians have hacked the cameras, so she has to stay out of sight. <sighs> very so stressful. Very cinematic. They're all tired. He doesn't even want to go into hiding. It's this whole thing. Overall, really fun, easy listen. At the end, it went a little bit sideways and cheesy, and the whole spy community is very into revenge, which feels very unprofessional. Like, they're taking it all very personally that the Russians were spying on them. Like, dude, that's their job. That's yeah, that so the Russian MO. Right. Well, it's not like it's not what they've been doing. Right. But the, I don't know. There was this whole thing about, oh, we follow the rules. We don't take on civilians. And I don't know. Anyway, overall, very fun. This was another Modern Mrs. Darcy recommendation. And she said that the author is a pseudonym. The author's name, Ava Glass, is a pseudonym for some sort of million book selling author. The publisher isn't saying who it is. Now, there is a biography and a photo that says she was like a crime person. I don't know. So I don't know what's going on. If it is actually a pseudonym or a, or a clever ploy marketing type, ploy yeah. yeah so and there was a, a loose end at the end that I was kind of wondering about but I'm assuming based on the fact that when I put all my information into Goodreads it said oh this is alias Emma number one that there will be a sequel and that will take on the loose threads but fun summer romp if you want an exciting sort of Jason Bourne kind of movie but with a fun female heroine this is a good choice and then I read Kayla possibly Kala, K-A-L-A, by Colin Walsh. This is the latest book from my Irish book subscription from West Portal Bookstore. They just send me new books by Irish authors. <laughs> and one of the blurbs on the cover of this one said it is ideal for fans of Tana French and Donna Tartt. And it's been a while since I've read Donna Tartt, so I don't know if I can comment on that, but it definitely has a Tana French vibe. So recommend it if you are missing out on your ton of French reading because you've read everything as I have. I should check and see if she has anything new coming out. Hmm. Kayla starts in 2018. Helen has come back to her hometown in the west of Ireland. She's been away for about 15 years. Her dad's getting remarried, so she's back for the wedding. And she meets up with old friends. Mush is still 
living in the town, working at his mom's cafe. Joe is a famous, world famous rock star, and he is back in town to open up a pub, like music venue in the town. Right before the book starts, human remains are found on a building site just outside of town. And as the book opens, it is revealed that is the body of Kayla, who disappeared in 2003, the summer they were all 15, and they were all great friends. There was kind of a, a gang of six of them. Kayla disappeared right around Halloween, and no one ever knew what happened to her. March Ooh. 2024. For the next ton of French, fingers crossed. The Hunter. Excellent. So you go back and forth uh, between the current time and 2003, what was going on with all the kids in the summer. Secrets, lies, betrayals, darkness, all of the things you might expect in, for example, a ton of French book. But also family relationships, friendships, your, when you have a friend, that really intense teenager relationship, and then seeing people years later and how you've changed, but maybe you haven't. And, and so it was... There was some really just beautiful writing, very descriptive, dark and haunting as well. You know their secrets and you might suspect what they are. But I thought it, you know, it did a good, good, intense job of making all the links work. The ending, somewhat expected, somewhat not. And I liked it. I think people might be a little cranky about bits of it. But overall, I thought it was true to the spirit of the entire book. And so I was really excited that, that I, I don't think I would have picked this up otherwise. So I was really glad that it got sent to me. And I have signed up for the next season because I do like having books just Is it still arrive. the same Irish theme? Same Irish theme. Yep. Yeah. I think we have one more book coming in this series and then the new one starts up and they'll mail it to you. So you can, I mean, you could be anywhere and get it. You don't have to be local to participate. And then I read... I feel very Courtney saying this, a tiny little book. It was about 122 pages called Glaciers by Alexis M. Smith. I have no idea how this crossed my path. I'm assuming Modern Mrs. Darcy because I am still a patron. I had talked about that at the beginning. I'm really enjoying it. I'm not really listening to her main feed. I'm just listening to the patron episodes because they're like 10, 20 minutes long and have plenty of book recommendations and also industry insights and things. I'm a little worried the fall book preview is coming up, I think, September 14th. So that's going to be a whole new batch of books that I need to read. And I'm still not through my summer reading list. Anyway, Glaciers. Isabel uh, lives in Portland, grew up in Alaska. She's a librarian. Awesome. She loves thrifting. And there's uh, another librarian that she has a crush on. And it's kind of, kind of a Virginia Woolfie vibe. It's just kind of a day in her life, her interior monologue, memories of growing up and her family and where she is now and her friends and just really beautiful. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, a quick little read, obviously. The thrifting part was cool. I have friends who are really into thrifting, so I kept thinking of them. Kelly, I'm looking at you. And the librarian stuff was great. Yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of Virginia Woolf, so that this, that kind of vibe was was something I was there for. I enjoyed that a lot. And then finally, A Place of Greater Safety by Hilary Mantel, her 1992 book, oh my goodness, uh, about the French Revolution. Yeah, when she passed away, this was one of the books that I felt like got mentioned a lot in, because everyone knows Wolf Hall. Well, not everyone. If you know Hilary Mantel, you know Wolf Hall, and which I loved, adored the whole trilogy. So I thought I really should probably 
read some of her back catalog, and this was one of them. And I do like the French Revolution. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean. Uh, I do find it an interesting period of history. So this one focuses on Robespierre, Danton, and Camille Desmoulins, which I thought was kind of an interesting choice for the, the trilogy of characters. But it turns out he knew both of them. He went to school with Robespierre and worked with Danton, and that was the he was the connection between the two of them. Wow, it was a chunky book. 750 pages. She's she's not known for no. a slim novel. No, no. I thought that's probably also why I was really excited to pick up Glaciers as a little <laughs> contrast. So yeah, it was definitely that same intense vibe that she has, very personal feeling. It was more third person and because I think Wolf Hall did a lot of second person something like that or anyway yeah um so not quite as well done I think because she's switching around between at least mostly the three viewpoints every once in a while she does someone's wife has a section she'll have parts that are that are just quotes from letters and documents she'll write things out like a a play script in conversations and of course, you know how it's all going to end, all of these men. So like with Cromwell, it's about the journey and how can you, how can she make you think maybe it'll turn out differently, even though obviously it's not. So yeah, definitely has that great intensity of emotion and making sense of history. There's so much that goes on in that period that it is hard to keep track of it all. So this making it personal and these men's stories still kind of confusing, but it makes more sense. And she did a little bit of a twist that mm. I was not expecting, not in terms of what, but uh, in terms of her reason for why things happened, which I thought was an interesting choice. So I really liked it. I don't think it was as great as Wolf Hall, but, you know, it was that was 20 years of work down the road. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all for me. OK, I have a very, very short list. When I last left you, I was still incredibly jet lagged. Mm -hmm. And I had been falling asleep every night by 8pm. And if you've been here for a minute, you know that nine to midnight is like, that's when I read. (laughs) So I have been reading this book called The Whispers by Audrey Audrain, which was a book of the month club pick. She also wrote The Push, which I didn't read. And I am sorry to say that I read this book in absolute snippets because I was so jet lagged. And then over the past couple of days, that has subsided. And so I sort of plowed through it at the end. I think that I might have put this book down a lot sooner if I had been reading at my normal clip. It's it's not a Courtney book at all. So did you finish it? I did. Oh, okay. M- mostly because by the time I realized that I didn't quite care for it, I was pretty far into it. This is a a domestic thriller, if you will. Uh. Again, not what I usually go in for. I do like a good... Oh, psych- but, it, but, but bingo square. New genre. Oh, it, it is a new <laughs> genre. I do like a good psychological thriller. I think my chief problem with this book is that there's not one likable character Mm. in the whole thing. Everybody is super flawed supremely. (laughs) Not in a good way. Yeah. I mean, it's just 
they're either really haunted or really twisted. And if that is your thing, you're going to love this book. We have four women characters and the the narration jumps from character to character. And so you do get some intimacy with each of those people. But one character in particular has really some open door scenes that I think open door is fun at times, not in this book for me, because I feel like you're jumping from characters who would never say these things aloud or read that kind of thing. And then you're thrown into a scene and it is, it, it didn't work for me. So it felt disjointed. If that can be said, even though it's coming from different character viewpoints. There still has to be a flow in terms of the narration. Correct. There's also, this is all built upon this mother-son drama that also didn't land for me. There's a lot that I, just not my book. And without giving anything away, I'm just going to leave it at that. And other people who liked the push or her I don't know what else she's written, but it it might be for you if you are like really into that small neighborhood sort of backstabby drama ish. I mean, it's a big genre. I feel it like is. people are so, but it it's is not for everyone. It's not for me. Okay, now that I'm done with that, I have been dipping back into Rick Rubin's The Creative Act, which is like a manifesto for artists. This is something that I. I received as a gift, I think around my birthday back in February. It's one of those books that you dip in and out of when you're looking to get back on track. And the one piece that I'm taking away and walking around with right now was his asking what if, sort of pushing yourself in a different direction by throwing all of the possibilities And even something as simple as like a still life painting. What if I stick with all glass vases and change the texture of the frame? Looking at as many possibilities as I can as I go into this, what could be a really predictable little series of work, but changing up the recipe for myself to make it more interesting and fun. And I don't think I've talked about the Rick Rubin before, but if you're a creative anything, I mean, he is a musician, and so he's coming from that uh, mindset. But I think this is applicable for writers and painters and musicians and ceramicists and you name it. So that is... That's how I'd like to end my little wrap up this week. Excellent. Well, I hope you find some good books for next time and get back into a a joyful reading life. Yes. Although it is kind of nice to go to bed at nine o'clock and wake up (laughs) bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Fair enough. All right, bingo. Oh my gosh, we're almost done. It is going to end on Monday, September 4th. So as we've done in past years, we will be recording before September 4th, but it will this the next episode will come out on not this episode the following episode will come out on september 6th so i will do the prize draw and add that into our episode so on september 6th it will all be done 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 but you do still have some time so finish up post your photo with your completed bingo or blackout we've had a couple of those very exciting on to Instagram with the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2023 or on Ravelry. On our Ravelry thread, there's a thread for that as well. 
And also uh, a post if you're entering for the completing the three bird-themed squares for a bird-themed prize. So, yeah, as I said, uh, Gnocchi from a Make Something from Scratch. That was very satisfying. That might be my most exciting finish (laughs) square for this season. That was really fun. I felt very accomplished, in part because it was two separate finishings for me, but um, I was really excited about that. And then the zucchini carpaccio from my farmer's market. I mean, it could also be my new vegetable dish as well, but I feel like I still want to do something else for that. I'm not quite sure what, though. That is one of my final ones. I still have a new genre to read, which is hard because I feel like I read a lot of genres. There is a book that I want to read. It's like a memoir, and I don't read a lot of memoirs, so I feel like I could count that. And I need to teach somebody something. There was a little chat about this over on the Ravelry thread. A couple of us are like, I don't know what to teach. I did. We got our new tags for our cars. You know, you they have the little thing you rip off your registration. You put it in the glove box. So I gave the tag to the kid and gave handed him the registration and said, can you put the registration in the glove box? He said, oh, this is like license and registration. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, I never knew what that was. But why would he? I mean, we had an opportunity to put that into practice. Other than that, yes. So luckily, he has not had the opportunity so far. Well done, him, to find out what that means. But yeah, it's just one of those things that you never really think about. So I mean, it's just not really crafty, but that may be the only thing. It counts. Maybe show him the instructions on the back of a package, too. There we go. Yeah, no, he's not cooking this year. That boy. How about you? I have two bingo squares. One is a new to me vegetable recipe that I did not speak of because it's from Veg, Veg Forward. Forward. I know. Which one? Um, you can say. The smoky corn salad. Oh. I've made it twice. It's that good. Oh, wow. I love it. And I roasted the corn. We have a four burner stove and then down the middle is like a fifth. Mm like open grill mm-hmm. that I never use. Now you have. And now I have used that because I wrapped Exciting. the corn and then just roasted it on the griddle. Oh my gosh. And it was totally smoky and great because nice. I still don't have a grill. Ugh. And I did my stretching this one a little bit. My uh, farmer's market one. I have gotten to the farmer's market and cooked food for the corn salad. But I also... Went to Harley Goat Farm down in Pescadero, which I know I have talked about before. And I picked up some great goat cheese. Mm. And I also picked up some artichoke bread from the Archangeli Bakery down there. And I had myself a little snack yesterday with locally, totally local, farmer's markety kinds of nice. <laughs> items. Whatever. I mean, we're not winning prizes, so no. we can do whatever we want. Excellent. But that's not even that much of a stretch. No. It's yeah. it's about supporting and eating locally. So. Exactly. Yep. Other things on Ravelry, Archeo has a bingo and a blackout. And she had a book, The Daughters of Izdahar by Hadir El Spy, which was debut author, different genre, and by or about a person <laughs> of color. We'd love to see a the multiple. Dip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, she made chocolate zucchini bread and lemon poppy seed zucchini bread from scratch for an epic breakfast. Excellent double dip. Chocolate zucchini bread. I know. 
I mean, yeah. if it's going to be zucchini bread, you might as well add I chocolate. I think there is a chocolate zucchini bread in Veg Forward. It could be. And she tried out drying basil in the microwave, which sounded pretty cool. Hmm. That's another microwave tip. Yeah. Excellent. And then a mocktail using a strawberry basil syrup that she bought locally mixed into seltzer water, which, yeah, that sounds pretty fantastic. Craft Buzz got her bird bingo. Yay. Um, she made hard-boiled eggs for her <laughs> husband because she is a vegan, which I apologize that, yeah, something we should have thought about, but I think that is an excellent workaround. And, I mean, honestly, I feel like you could do, like, a if something like egg salad but make it with tofu or something oh, yeah. like i mean any way to make it work yeah if you transform um a typically egg or poultry recipe to vegan i totally would count yeah that, that sounds definitely doable um and then she read the crow trap by ann cleaves which could also be a courtney recommendation book and she sewed up some little owl ornaments and she's very close to a blackout so keep an eye out for that Burdette has two bingos, and her pizza, her way was a grain-free pizza, which totally great idea. Knitwise09 got her bird bingo and a regular bingo, and that was also posted on Instagram. She had a muscle burra hat, which I still have not made. Knitters will probably have heard of it. It's gotten very, I mean, it's an Isolde Teague pattern, so her stuff is always extremely well done. And I guess she released a new version of it last year so it's a hat i've made something similar where you start at the top um you knit the top of the hat and then you knit you know and you increase it as much as you need knit all the way down keep knitting oh i guess you do some ribbing in the middle and then you go back to knitting and then you decrease so you have a double weight hat that's the one that i've done that is not the muspera but it is the exact same thing so it's super easy uses up a whole skein of yarn and I think she has it written so that you can knit it with any weight yarn any gauge so it's a really useful pattern to have in your tool chest and then she also knit wise 09 not as old a take start a new blanket that would be fun though if his old was participating and then my Kelly my friend Kelly she got her bingo and posted it I had to walk her through it it was amazing she's not very big on social media. So that was delightful. And then Recreates posted this really awesome bright pink magenta hat with a pom-pom. So she is ready for fall. Yeah, so good. Yay. I'm a little sad that it's coming to an end. Yeah, so I've got to finish finish some things up. We will see how it goes. And yeah, everyone finish and post and let us know. And next time we will have our prize drawing and... Then we will get, then it'll be sweater knitting season is what it will really be. Truly. And that's always exciting. So until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf at C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.